All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and I want you to notice verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now, this passage right here, this is a great example of a scripture that's real easy to take and then just kind of use it uh, to attack someone who uh, is involved with someone in a way that we disagree with. This passage is another, uh, it's another scripture too that a preacher can just get up and use as a springboard to preach to get everybody in the church, you know, online with whatever he wants them doing, uh, if you if I if I want you separating from people, I can use this passage. If I want you looking a certain way, I can use this passage. Whatever I want to do to make you different, I can kind of use this as a springboard. And often people do. They take passages like this and just kind of run with it and do whatever they want. And then obviously, too, we know that phrase, you know, be not unequally yoked. And often what you hear people do if they see you do something with somebody that they don't approve of, you know, what are you doing yoking up? Now, how often do we use that term yoking up in our modern vernacular? You know, we don't use it that often, but we use it a lot in the religious world when people do something we don't like because we all know that's going to draw their minds to this passage. And then it's like it's scriptural now that we're rebuking you. Okay? Now, here's what we're not, I don't want to do tonight. We don't want to act like a rebellious teenager here and act, you know, and try to see how far can we push things. Okay? I know the Bible doesn't say, you know, I know the Bible says don't be unequally yoked, but just how yoked can we be? You know, and you know, we're not trying to see how much we can get away with. But you know, we're also not trying to be extreme with this too and go, you know, li- you know, move out west and live in a commune somewhere like we were talking about. And I, I probably shouldn't mention this. Pastor Fritz, when he was out here, he showed me a town that's for sale in Tennessee. He like literally buy a town. And I, I, I'm not saying, I'm not showing y'all where it is either because I know some of you are going to want to do it. It's like in a floodplain. But uh, let me tell you, sometimes, you know, you, you, you look at this world, you look at Illinois and you think it's not a bad idea. But I, I promise it wouldn't be our town they wouldn't let us make the laws that we would want to make and all that kind of stuff. And they we'd, it, it, they, it, they would ruin it. If they'd let us do what we want, maybe I'd think about it. But no, we're, we're not going to do that. So don't don't ask Pastor Fritz all right, uh, it, where that town is. But anyway, uh, you know, we, there's all kinds of extremes you can go to. You know, and if I was a pastor, you know, the Bible says not to be unequally yoked. And you know what? We're just way too involved with this world. And it's time we all move out west and you, or move out to you know, Tennessee and you all join my cult in that town that I'm going to buy. I could probably afford to buy that town if I could get enough of you paying, if I charged all of you all rent. And then, but uh, if I could get the bank to give me a loan, it wasn't that expensive. But anyway, uh, yeah, not going to do that. But what does it mean to be unequally yoked? You know, how, and how can we apply this to our lives? Because again, what is an unequal yoke? And, uh, and that word 
or that term unequally yoked, it means to yoke up differently or to associate discordantly. So a good example, I think, in the Bible of being unequally yoked, we see in Deuteronomy 22.10, it says, Thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together. Okay, Now, I'm not a farmer. I've never plowed with two oxen or two asses. I've never done either. But I'm just going to guess that it probably is God didn't want him doing it because it probably creates an unnecessary burden for one or even both of the animals. If you've got two animals that are just too different that aren't going to work together well, you know, you probably shouldn't be yoking those things up. It's just going to make things worse. It's going to put and you know and God didn't want them being cruel to their animals. God didn't want them to be making a work that was already hard even more difficult. And so he said, don't plow with an ox or an ass together. And so I think this is just kind of a common sense law, but it's something that God said to do. Because uh, a yoke is something that you put on animals too to guide them or control them while they're laboring together. And, and so another thing too, a way you can look at being yoked, uh, again too, we're all, whether we like it or not, we're kind of yoked up with our government. And they put some burdens on us too. It's called taxes. Okay, and you know my sons regularly complain about how much is taken out of their taxes, and understand a lot of that work they're doing is for the government. We all see that. Okay, you know, go ahead and look at your paychecks and pay attention to that stuff. And you know what I want you to do too? I want you to think about how you could spend that money and what you could do with it. Why do we need to do that? So we get fired up at our government for how they waste our money. Our country just doesn't care. And that's another subject for another day. But you know, in First Kings twelve ten. Uh, this is while uh, after the reign of Solomon, when Rehoboam was on the throne, Solomon's son, and it says, the young men that were grown up with him spake unto him, saying, uh, thus shalt thou speak unto this people, that spake unto thee, saying, thy father made our yoke heavy, but make thou it lighter unto us. Thus shalt thou say unto them, my little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. You know the story. Solomon, he got his, the advice from the young men. The young men said, hey, really bring the heat. Yeah, your father, that he put a, a difficult yoke on them. And understand, during the kingdom, or during this reign of Solomon, the kingdom was extremely prosperous. But it would appear that Solomon worked his people pretty hard. And now we've got this new generation there. We've got a new king and they're saying, hey, can you lighten up? You know, it would be like us going to the government and saying, hey, can you give us a tax break? I mean, come on, you know, please, you know, that's kind of what they're doing. They're asking them to lighten up the yoke a little bit. And of course, the young men gave them bad advice and ended up splitting the kingdom as a result. Now, you know, I don't know that it was that difficult during Solomon's time. It could be these people were just being lazy. It could be they were just a bunch of Democrats uh, wanting more welfare instead of having to work. I don't know. But either way you look at it, they're saying that yoke that your father put on us was difficult. That it was it was hard for them serving in that kingdom, working because it was it was just too much work. And so it's possible, it's very possible that the reason that kingdom was so great was Solomon was benefiting at the expense of the people. And uh, I don't think that's good when our government becomes extremely wealthy while the people struggle. And I, I don't think that's the way it ought to go, but. Uh, notice, uh, turn over to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. So, you know, working with the kingdom, just anytime you're working with someone, you can kind of say you're in a yoke together, figuratively speaking. 
And in Matthew chapter eleven twenty eight, I like what Jesus said about his yoke. He said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know what? When it came to the doctrine and the things that the Pharisees taught, the yoke that they put on the people was a great yoke. It was something that they couldn't bear, they couldn't handle. It says in Acts 15, verse 7, And when, the pe- uh, when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. We had all these Jews that are still following many of the laws and the customs of the Old Testament because that's just what they had always done. And they, but the thing is, some of them started thinking we're saved because of all these things that we're doing. And Peter, he's like, you know what? Turns out that's not the case. We've got these Gentiles that haven't done any of the things that we've done. They've just had faith and believed and God's put no difference between us and them. God sees them the same way that he sees us. And so when it comes to this matter, of you know, adding the things of the law to salvation. I like what uh, Peter said in verse 10. He says, Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. And so... Again, a yoke isn't a literal thing. It's just kind of a figurative thing. And so you can go too far with the illustration. But he's basically saying, if, hey, if we add works to salvation, that's a yoke nobody can bear. If we're going to have works and faith, those things aren't going to go together. Nobody's going to be able to do what they need to do. And Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden's light. And so the truth is, you could say, when we get saved, that's because when it comes to our salvation the work of our salvation, we get yoked up with Jesus Christ. You know, and, and, oh, well, that would imply we're working with Him. Again, you can take these things too far, but notice how Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, His yoke, which is what they're thinking, we got to do something with you. We've got to work with you, kind of like the Catholics. Well, I, you know, I believe in grace, but you know, got to have work, you know, in faith. You've got to have works too. But, you know, Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden's light. Come to me. I'm going to give you rest. And so you could, you know, say if you wanted to, it's probably not the best illustration, but you know, if you want to get saved, you need to get yoked up with Christ, right? You know, and uh, hopefully don't, people don't get the idea that there involves some works there too. Uh, I don't think that's the case. But looking at all these passages, it becomes clear that being unequally yoked, it would be teaming up with someone who's only going to cause more labor or make your job more difficult. Because uh, that's the whole point of a yoke. That's the whole point of a team is you want it to make the job easier. When we were in Pennsylvania this year, uh, we went out to Lancaster. We were out in Amish country. And those guys out there, for some reason, you know, they don't believe in tractors and all that kind of stuff. And they were out plowing with horses. And you know what they did? They had teams of horses, six of them that they had them all yoked up together. All these horses, too, looked like the same kind of horses, about the same size, and they were out there plowing the fields 
uh, with a bunch of horses yoked up together like that. And, you know, that was kind of neat seeing that kind of, and we're not, so we're not used to that so much in our culture today, but at the same time, when it comes to doing anything, the last thing we should be doing is going and yoking up, especially when it comes to our Christian walk, when it comes to the things of Christ, we don't want to be going and yoking up or working with unbelievers that are just going to drag us down, that are just going to make things more difficult. It's not going to work. There's a lot that we need to try to accomplish as Christians. There's a lot of work that we need to do. And so to unequally yoke ourselves with somebody is just something that we've not, it's a burden we've not been called to do. In fact, it's been something we've been told not to do. And we've got to make sure we get these things right. And so, um, another example too that the Bible uses here in this passage, besides being unequally yoked, you could say is mixing things that won't mix, that won't mix, or at least shouldn't be mixed. Cause, you know, he says, you know, what agreement, um, or he says, uh, what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? There's some things that just don't go together. There's some things that you just shouldn't, you shouldn't mix. You shouldn't mix chocolate and mint. That's disgusting. You know, that, those things don't go together. That, you know, they, those are abominations, right? You know, I'm seeing some people agreeing with me on that, but and obviously that's uh, you know up to opinion and things like that. But uh, let me explain some things though first that would not be considered unequally yoking with an unbeliever because again we just have that phrase and if people want they can run with it and go crazy. But let me give you an example of some things that are not unequally yoking with an unbeliever, and that and one example would be. Working most secular jobs or, uh, you know, making money or doing most business. Okay. Most of us in here, we probably are or have worked with unbelievers most of our life. Okay. Now, when you work with somebody, aren't you yoking up what you say? I mean, if you're a part of any kind of team, if you have a supervisor, other coworkers, I mean, you're yoked up. You're doing work, you know, whether it's working in a factory, uh, like when I was at the distribution center, moving boxes, shipping boxes, hey, we're all working together. We're yoked up, you could say. And you know what? They were unbelievers. So, you know, are we, are you in sin if you're doing that? You know, if, if Brother Matt's painting houses and he's doing it with an unbeliever, is he unequally yoked with an unbeliever right now? You know, is, and I'm here, to, I don't believe that's an example of being unequally yoked. Because you know what? I mean, a lost person can paint just as good as a saved person. I don't know. I think when we do the interview, we need to check and make sure he's right on the gospel. I mean, you know, I, and obviously I would prefer to work with saved people. But you know what? Sometimes that's not an option, you know, if, if, and especially if you're, uh, if you're not the boss, if you're just an employee. You know, most companies today, if you discriminate against people because of their religion, you're probably going to get sued. You know, you're probably going to get in all kinds of trouble, but at the end of the day, you're working together to paint a house. You're working together to ship freight. You're working together. These are not things that being saved or lost are necessarily going to affect. I've worked with some saved people that were completely worthless when it came to any kind of manual labor. And I, let me tell you, I, there have been many lost people that I would hire in a heartbeat for many jobs. And there's many saved people that I wouldn't hire them for nothing. Because they're just, they're, they're no good for those things. But that's not 
being unequally yoked. You know, um, doing things in the community to help with things that are not associated with Christianity. You know, if you want to, if we're helping during a national disaster, if we're you're putting up sandbags to you know try to prevent flooding or something like that, we're out there working with our neighbors. Uh, I don't think we ought to be yoking up. These people are unbelievers. L- listen, we're we're trying to stop flooding in our neighborhood. Whether they're saved or lost is not going to affect that work. Okay? You're not you're not sinning when you do that. You know, being a police officer, being a fireman, a doctor, you know, uh, volunteering for something that isn't sinful. I don't think it's wrong for Christians that want to get involved in their community. I mean, good night. How are we supposed to be a light to this world if we're hiding from the world? If we just can't be found anywhere, we're, I don't think it's wrong for Christians. To participate in those things again as long as you're not putting yourself at a disadvantage as long as you're not putting yourself in a situation where it's creating greater hardship for you where you're being tempted to go against the things that god's commanded you to do these things are not sinful and so another thing too you know just being among unbelievers you know or having things in common you know if we're going to a sporting event you know if you're uh just doing something fun that's not sinful. You know, I don't know what you're all doing hang, going to that ball game, hanging around all those unbelievers. My Bible says be ye separate. Well, I don't think these things are forbidden. I, so, you know, if we're out there having fun amongst other people, I don't think we're violating, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, some preachers will want to tell you, are. Oh, they'll make you feel guilty about literally anything that you do. And I don't think that's right. I think we're taking it too far. I don't think you're... Uh, being unequally yoked with unbelievers if you participate in family functions. If you go to a family reunion, if you go over to your families for Christmas, uh, they're unbelievers. Not to be unequally yoked. Well, again, uh, uh, is it going to you know, call your faith into question? Is it going to, are they going to make your Christian walk harder? And you know what? Sometimes you have families that are just horrible. You know, you have families that are super controlling and, you know, they, they might persecute you for being a Christian, but sometimes they're just, it's just a matter of them not being saved. Listen, I've talked to some nut jobs before. We've had a few nut jobs come through here. Uh, I've had, I, I have some nut jobs occasionally call me, email me. Uh, some of the wackos that I regularly encounter um, are really killing my faith in humanity. All right, let me, so, but you'll, you'll have these people I've literally talked to people who are like asking if they should participate in weddings, I mean funerals, just normal family functions because their family's not saved. And a lot of times they're Baptist, but their church is like repent of sins. And it's just like, are you, are you kidding me? You know, and they'll just have the weakest, lamest excuse and it's like, are you, are you even sure your family isn't saved? You know, but uh, that, uh, that pastor at that church, he's hardcore, repent of sins. And I don't even believe half the people when they tell me that anymore. I, I get it, they're out there. But you know what? The story of the boy who cried reprobate, you know, you just, you quit listening after a while. And I'm like, listen, and, and, and this is what I'll tell people. I mean, is it going to really hurt your walk with Christ if you go... To that wedding, if you go to that funeral, 
I mean, if that preacher gets up at that, at that funeral and preaches repent of sins, do you think you're going to believe him after that? And do you think that it's, you know, all of a sudden you're going to fall for a false gospel and become worthless as a Christian? You know, I'll, I'll ask him these things and just sometimes too, I think people are pulling my leg. You know, some of the people that I have call me, I like these people have got to be messing with me. But, and you have to treat everybody like normal and with respect just in case it's for real. But I sometimes think these people are messing with me because you can't be asking me this. But folks, these things are, are not an example of being unequally yoked. You know, even fighting a war with a lost person. My dad used to always say all the time, you know, if we're, out, if we're fighting a battle, if we're fighting the enemy, if we're fighting the Muslims or something, and I'm in a foxhole with some guy, I'm not going to look at him and be like, hey, well, you know, what religion are you? And if he's Presbyterian, you know, not want to fight with him anymore. Hey, as long as he understands those are the bad guys over there, you know what? I don't care. That's not the battle we're having right now. We're having a fight with these people, and so therefore, you know what? I'm fine with partnering up with somebody like that. And let me tell you something. When it comes to, you know, going against the government right now, you know what? I don't mind partnering up with some crazy, uh, you know, conspiracy theorists that are out there. I don't mind partnering up with, you know, the InfoWars crowd and things like that when it comes to going after the government. I'm not checking up. You know what? When I, when I went out to the, uh, some of these reopen Illinois rallies and things, I wasn't checking with these people on what their gospel was. It's like, you want to take Prisker down too? Hey, I'm with you. You know, <laughs> hey, we're, you know, you know we're, we're in agreement right here. This is the battle that we're fighting. Now, you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to go to those places and like, hey, you guys want to go on a soul hunting marathon with us. I'm not, partnering up, I'm not partnering up with them on those things. That would be an example of being unequally yoked. If I'm going and I'm finding lost people and I'm recruiting them to become members of this church without getting saved, to go reach the lost, that right there is an example of being unequally yoked. We're not going to be teaching people the same thing. Our messages are not the same. They, they're not in common. So we're, we're not going to do that. I'll yoke up with them on these other things, but I'm not going to yoke up with them when it comes to the things of God. And so... You know, we've got to understand, we have been called to remove ourselves from the world or remove worldliness from ourselves, but we've been, we've not been called to be outside of this world. Okay? And physically speaking, the world needs us. And John 17 verse 14 says, I have given them thy word and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but thou shouldst keep them from evil. It says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And we've got to understand that we are here to do a job. And you know what? It can be difficult and it can be dangerous. And God wants to keep us from evil. God doesn't want us participating in the sin, but God wants us to be among these people. Because the people in this community, God wants them to get saved. How are they going to get saved if we're never among them? If we're never around them? If we don't know anybody? If we're all just moving somewhere and just finding our own little village somewhere, we're not going to be able to be a light. We've got to be among people. You know what? Every company, you know what they need? They don't realize it, but what they need, they need Christian co-workers there. You know why? Because they need people being a light there. And that, that's our job. And so we've got to make sure we don't go too far with this stuff and end up just hiding from the world. Matthew 10, 16 says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep, in the midst of wolves. 
Notice that. We've been sent as sheep in the midst of wolves. And that's the way it is. Being out in this world, being among the world. We've got to understand, there's a lot of bad people out there. There's a lot of uh, bad beliefs. Some of those people that you work with, some of those people, people on your job, did you know that some of them are damnable heretics? I've worked with JWs before. And you know what I did? I worked with them. In the factory, you know what I never did with them? I never worked with them outside the factory and went soul winning with them. But you know what? While we're, but while we're working among these people, some of these are evil people. They've got really bad doctrine. They've got really bad politics. Anybody working with anybody with really bad politics? Okay. And we've all worked with those people before and, and do now. But you know what we've been called to do? We've been called to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So while we are out and amongst this world, while we are surrounded by a lot of bad people, we've not been called to separate ourselves physically, but we have been called to be wise as we walk among them. We ought to see then that we walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So because we live in a sinful world and maybe we have family who are wicked or we, you know, we need to navigate carefully and with wisdom. It's not a matter of can I physically be in this person's presence or not. It's, but it's how do I navigate wisely while I'm around these people? Because we need to reach people, but we don't want to participate in their sins. We don't want to become one of these churches that puts a bar in the church so we can reach people better. You know, we don't want to bring how, and, and literally some churches are doing that. I heard about another one recently. And I just, I have no words. But you know what? I mean, we've already, it's common for rock concerts. Why? Well, because we've got to reach people. No, we're not going to participate in, in the world's sins to reach people. But you know what we are going to do? We are going to participate in society. And you know what we're going to do sometimes? We might eat with the publicans and the sinners like Jesus did. Now, Jesus, you know, he was a, he was a friend to sinners, but you know what he never did? He never participated in their sins. He never, he never got involved, but he was among them. Why? Because he's trying to reach them. And so when it comes to being unequally yoked, as long as we understand, hey, I'm surrounding myself with lost people, but I'm going to be careful. I'm not going to get yoked up in a way that's going to hinder my walk with God, but I'm going to navigate carefully because I got a plan, I'm trying to reach these people, and I'm not going to do something that's going to hinder me from reaching these people. I'm not going to do something that's going to cause offense. I'm not going to. Do, I'm going to do whatever I've got to do for the gospel's sake. That's the goal. And understand, compromising never helps people get saved. No matter what the liberals want to tell you, it doesn't help people get saved. And so, uh, you know, we shouldn't. We should never knowingly join up with people that we know are going to drag us down and prevent us from doing what we've been called to do. If if that alliance is just going to slow you down as a Christian, then you don't want to do that. You're becoming unequally yoked at that point. But you know, the thing is, when I'm in the world, when I'm doing the things that I do, I'm not doing them, uh, you know, I'm doing them many times for the gospel's sake, because I do want to be a light. I do want to be an example. Because you know, at the end of the and you know, and I haven't done this, but you know, 
a lot of churches, uh, they don't do as much soul winning as we think that they should. But one of the things that they like to do, and it's not wrong for them to do these things, but you know, they're always trying to do this community involvement stuff and get involved in fairs and all that kind of, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's, that's good advertisement. You know, I'm, I'm not against that. But at the end of the day, one of the, it's okay to do that because we're trying to be among people. We're trying to get to know people. And as long as we keep our focus right, that we're trying to get the gospel to these people, we're trying to be a light to these people, then I think we're going to be okay. And so we need to make sure, though, we always remember our calling, what we've been called to do. We're trying to reach people, so we should never, okay, an example of being unequally yoked is teaming up with false religions to try to get people saved. That's not going to work. It would make everybody feel really good if the Baptists and the Catholics and the Methodists and the Mormons and all that, if we all got together and say, you know what, let's have a great big church service together and just preach the gospel. You know, we're not going to talk about Catholic stuff, Baptist stuff. We're just going to preach the gospel and just forget. Because you know what, it's not about the name of your church. It's about Jesus Christ. Well, here's the problem. These people don't preach Jesus Christ. You know, these people are preaching a false gospel and that's not going to work. Okay. It's not going to help. Okay. I, and I recently, and I, and I've told a lot of you about this, but you know, I recently went to one of these pastor fellowships locally with other religions out of pure curiosity. Got invited several times and, you know, and, and it was everything I thought it was going to be and so much more. (laughs) And I don't mean that in a positive way. And, you know, but I was curious just in case I felt there was something that is a group, maybe like when it, I was really hoping there was like, they were going to be like plotting there on just how to get the, you know, the city to leave us alone when it comes. These people were so compliant. It wasn't even funny. I mean, it was nauseating how compliant they were with everything. And, you know, and I did, I sat through that thing out of pure curiosity and I thought, there is absolutely nothing that these people are trying to do that would help our church in any way, shape, or form. There is nothing that these, that, there is no way in which we could help anything these people are trying to do that would in any way advance the gospel or anything that I feel like a church is even there for. They were more interested in welfare programs, literally. And it's just like, that's not working. Let me tell you, if giving people, if raising money and giving people money, you know, helped get the gospel out, you know who would be the greatest soul owners in the world? Our government. It's all that welfare, but it was more about Salvation Army and how we could help them collect money and all that. It was just like, come on, you know, forget it. And, you know, we're not going to do that, okay? Don't worry, folks. I wasn't even tempted to join the Ministerial Association I got invited several times and went out of pure curiosity. And you know what? Joining anything there would be me being unequally yoked with unbelievers and women pastors. And let me tell you something. When you're bringing up the fact that it was wonderful the way some pastors participated in a transgender's funeral in town, when that's one of the things that you bring up, I'm sorry, this is stupid. This is, an, this is an absolute joke. When you're planning an event for all these churches to do this thing, but one of the women pastors says, oh, I'm sorry, you know, uh, that's not a good week because that's when we have our divert, the 
community diversity thing. I forgot what it's called. And then the preacher's like, how can we help with that? I'm sorry. That would be an unequally yoked. <laughs> not not going to happen. He said, why did you even go to that? You know what? I need inspiration for sermon material. And let me tell you, I, I've, I got some good inspiration. I've got a few more sermons on plan and after that experience. And, uh, you know, I did. I, I told my wife, I'm going to go. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to shut up. And I'm not going to say anything unless they ask me. And they never asked me anything. And it's a good thing because I, I would have told them. I think a few of them knew who I was uh, when I was there. But, wow, yeah, that, that was... I'll have to say more about that some other day. But anyway, so yeah, don't team up with false religions to get people saved. Okay, I'll, you know, I said I'll team up with false religions if it's like defying the uh, closing churches. You know what? I, I wish all the churches would do that. I, w- I wish every church in America would just say, you know what, government go jump in a lake. It's like how could how could you say that? They're preaching a false gospel. Hey, that's you know, that's a different war. Okay, we fight those wars all the time on that. That's not for the government to get involved in that war. I don't need the government to help me fight the JWs. I, I, don't, I don't need the... And you know what? The JWs aren't even putting up a fight anyway. But, uh, you know, and that's another story for another day too. But another thing too, you know, you need to make sure you shouldn't marry someone who's not saved. I mean, folks, marriage is the ultimate partnership. How can you get more yoked to somebody than married? Okay. Marrying somebody who is not saved is a great example of being unequally yoked. I, I can't even imagine how hard it would be to be a Christian when you're, you're married to somebody who's lost. And you know what? I mean, many people are in that situation, and the Bible talks about that situation. It's God's will for you to stay together. But let me tell you, it's tough. It's a burden. It's difficult. And you shouldn't knowingly go into that situation. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's the ultimate partnership. You know, you shouldn't, and I think too, you even need to be careful about how you partner with somebody, even in a business way, except if it's something that's going to make it difficult for you to live a Christian life, or if it's going to cause you constant temptation. Again, there's a lot of different types of businesses, a lot of different types of work, and, you know, and depending on what you're doing, uh, what field you're in, how closely you'd be working with somebody, you know, you need to just make sure you don't put yourself in a compromising situation. If you're somebody too, who maybe, especially if you uh, have a, uh, a bad background, you are involved in a lot of sin, maybe used to do a lot of drinking, smoking drugs and stuff, you know, you probably don't want to partner up in business with somebody who does all those things. And where you're working alongside them every day and close to them, there's a good chance it's probably going to end up causing temptation for you. And so you, whatever you do, that I'm not saying... Saved people can't work with lost people. But you know what I am saying? Don't be unequally yoked. Don't put yourself in a disadvantage. Don't put yourself in a compromising situation. Otherwise, it's going to get you in trouble. And you know, we could even take this principle of being unequally yoked. And I think you could even apply it to someone who's saved. Because, you know, even if someone is saved, you shouldn't put yourself at a disadvantage or work with somebody Who's going to make your job more difficult? You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 22, 24, make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man. Thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. So listen, can you be an angry man and be saved? Well, of course. But if this person has this horrible trait, 
You want to be careful getting attached to that person because that's going to rub off on you. And we need to watch out for that kind of thing. We're not going to, we don't want to put ourselves at a disadvantage. And so uh, Acts 15.37, because there's going to be other saved people too that you just might not be capable of working to your full potential with. In Acts 15.37, it says, And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them, they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. Now Paul, he looked at, um, you know, he looked at John, uh, Mark, and just like, I can't work with that guy. Now, was, do we think John Mark was a horrible person? I doubt it. We see Paul later, you know, saying he's profitable. But you know what? You know, somebody could look at that and say, well, yeah, he was a quitter. Well, and maybe he did have that problem. But either way, you know what? Sometimes we just got to realize there's some people that you just can't work with. And you know what? There's some people that you can't work with, but maybe I can't work with. Did you know there's just some people that there's just some personalities that clash? You know, there's some people, uh, you know, there's types of people that I just don't get along with very well. I'm not going to yoke up with those people in any ways. But that doesn't mean you can't. You might do fine with that kind of personality. But there's we but either way, it would what well, you just got to make sure you do is you always think about how you're getting, you know, your involvement is with somebody. Is this going to hurt my relationship with Christ? Hurt my Christian walk? Is it going to be put me at a disadvantage or is it going to help? Because we've got so we've got enough things working against us. We don't need to be making partnerships that's going to end up hurting us. And so while the doctrine of separation is in the Bible, we also need to understand, too, that so is forbearing one another and forgiving one another. That is part of what we're supposed to do as Christians. You know, we're supposed to you know, put up with people. We should strive to be a strong Christian that's able to lead and lift others up. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. So notice here, how it's talking about support the weak. There's some people that uh, you know, are going to be a little bit of a burden to us. But you know what God has called us to do? God has called, God has told us, you know, we ought to try to support them. We ought to try to lift them up. We ought to be willing to get out of our comfort zone a little bit. And a lot of Christians, again, they're just way too separate from everybody. If anybody's got any kind of problem, they don't want to be involved with them. But you know what? We should be, we should be strong. We should be able to help others who aren't everything they should be. It says in Romans 15, 1, we then that are strong, ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification, for even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell on me. So if you are weak, okay, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody or accuse anybody of being weak here, but if you are weak, you might you need to understand you might need to be more separated than somebody else 
But you know what you should never do? You should never act like you are the more spiritual one just because you've separated from everybody. And so, again, being yoked with somebody, we're working towards something. We don't want to be unequally yoked where somebody is slowing us down, where somebody is hindering us, but we also don't want to be so separate that we're not helping anybody else, where we're not making anybody else better. And so all of us as Christians, we ought to be striving to be strong, to be a leader, to lift people up without it killing us. And that's the thing too. You know, Again, this is where everybody's got to evaluate how they operate in their life. I'm not going to get up here today and tell you, you know, make sure you always keep your family as close as possible in your life. Some people, that might not work out so good in their situation. But maybe I don't like my family. I think we ought to just concentrate on the family of God. Who cares about your earthly family? That's not what matters. Remember what Jesus said, who is my mother and sister and brethren? You know what? I don't even know why y'all, some of y'all are planning on traveling and going to see family for Christmas. I think, well, I just need to hang out here with each other because that's the family that matters. It's like, no. And I, I, I love all of you here, but, you know, sometimes we need a break from each other too, you know. And, uh, it, it, you know, so, you know, I can't, make, I, can't make, I can't make rules for everybody. I can't tell you what you've got to do in your situation but you just need to make sure whatever you're doing in your life that you're keeping God the focus on things and that you're using wisdom. And But also, you need to be trying to lift other people up. And a lot of times, you'll have, you know, especially in the preacher world too, okay? In the preacher world too, uh, you know, preachers are the most controlling people many times. And it's like, you know, it's my way, the highway. Everybody's got to do everything my way. But, you know, understand too, you know, when I was a younger pastor. You know, I think it it would have been wise for me to be more separate in a lot of ways because you're very influential when you're young, you know, but you know, I'm to the point now, I'm pretty set in my ways in a lot of areas. And I think I can, I, I don't think I need to be ultra separated. Did you know I can go to a camp meeting and I don't think it'll mess my theology up. Now, some of y'all, you might not be able to. If you go to a camp meeting, you're going to think you have to repent of your sins to get saved. And you might even get saved again because you didn't get enough Holy Ghost conviction when you first got saved. Some of you might do that. I won't. Okay? You know, I, I won't do that. You know, some of you, I mean, you might, be, you might be so weak spiritually. Your faith might be so fragile that if you went to some you know, pre-trib, Zionist, old IV church, they would just get up there and, you know, talk, God's not done with Israel and not use any scripture. And the next thing you know, you're donating money to the Temple Mount Institute. And so you probably shouldn't be around that. You know what? I can be around that and it won't hurt me. It won't slow my walk down with Christ. Uh, I, I can, I can talk to other preachers. I can hang, I can be friends with preachers who are not exactly like me. And they're not going to take me off a cliff. Y'all understand that? But often, what you have, you'll have weak people who that wouldn't work for them. And so they don't want you doing it either. So then they like, come out from among them and be separate. Hey, listen, I'm not, I'm not unequally yoked. I'm not going to give these people the advantage. I'm not going to go 
And, you know, there's, um, you know, we've gone to, taking some of the guys to some of these church planning conferences not far from here, that's kind of a part of this group of Baptists that's a little too organized for me. But you know what? We've gone there, we've been edified, we've heard good preaching, and they've even pitched their organization. And I wasn't tempted for one second to have our church join anything. You know, I, we, we got good out of it, we enjoyed it, all that kind of stuff. And I don't think we're wrong for doing that. I don't, I don't think we need to be that way. But here's what you need to understand. If you're somebody that has to just remain so separate that you, can, you have to live in just an echo chamber of people that are exactly like you to where we just become this church of theological inbreds. I'm telling you right now, uh, that's not strength. That, that's not good. You know what? I want to be an influence. I, want, I, I don't mind putting myself out there. I can have a conversation. And you know what? If you're a soul winner, you ought to be coming to these things. I mean, we have conversations with people of other religions all the time. And you know, what are we doing? You know, we're, we're challenging them. Okay? Now, if you're so weak that you can't go soul winning because you might talk to a Mormon and they might win you over, you know, just understand, you're just really weak. Have you ever talked to somebody, too, who has really knew their stuff? Our first year, I talked to a Catholic lady. I still remember where she lives. I couldn't believe how impressive she was. Because most Catholics you talk to, they don't even know what they believe. This lady knew her stuff, and she had answers for all kinds of things. And I remember, you know, I was joking when we got done. I was like, man, that lady almost converted me to Catholic Catholicism. You know, there was the Muslim guy we talked to the one time out in Rock Island. And I remember that, guy, that kid knew his stuff. And I was joking about that, man. I almost converted to Islam, you know, after talking to him. Because he did. You know, you have those people that are really good. But at the same time, I wasn't almost converted to Islam. But, you know, we have some knucklehead. Maybe we have some knucklehead in the church. Because they're weak. They're influenced by everything. Everything's a danger to him. Every false statement is a threat to him. They want all of us to be that way and just completely separate ourselves. from That's not, folks, that's not necessary. And we're not violating these scriptures. We're not violating being unequally yoked, having fellowship in a way we're not supposed to, as long as we always keep ourselves at the advantage. And there are, there's going to be situations where I'm like, you know what, that would, that might be tempting for me. I almost, I thought I seriously considered last year going to Idea Day in Las Vegas. Some of you probably you know, know what Idea Day is. Just out of curiosity, I was invited and, you know, and I, I wanted to just kind of go experience it and then tell the world about it. Okay. Now, folks, I promise you, I could go to Idea Day and I would come back not only exactly the same, but probably more resolved to stay the same. Okay? Some of you, if you went to Idea Day, you'd probably come back with skinny jeans and a mohawk. So you know what? You shouldn't. Go. If, if that's you, you shouldn't go. Okay? But that's not everybody. Okay? That, you know that that that's not. Oh, you're 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 yoking up with the trendies. No, I'm not. I'm going and I'm observing. And I'm going to nail their hides to the wall when I get back. And that's what I told him I was going to do. I said, if I go, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to come back and, you know, put out a video or something giving my thoughts. And I promise I'll be honest. And you say, well, that sounds nice. <laughs> that was basically telling him I will be mean because 
And I ended up not doing it because I was pretty sure they didn't really want me doing it, even though they asked me. But uh, I, I might one of these days. And I'm, I'm, I don't believe I'll be being unequally yoked. But some people, that might be the case. And so, um, so you know, how, how can I know when it's appropriate? I think this is the important question you all want answered. When it's appropriate to attack someone who has friendships I don't agree with. Okay, because isn't that what we all want to use this verse for? So we can know who to nail for an association we don't like. Okay? How can I know when it's appropriate for me to do that? And here's, this is my rule of thumb. When you see being moved by them. When you see them going in the wrong direction now. When you see those people changing them instead of them changing other people's. You know, and if, if they're staying strong and if they're moving others in the right direction, you know what? You just mind your own business. You know what? I'd love to see some preacher go win over a whole bunch of Catholics and Pentecostals and Muslims and whatever. You know, and I think it's great when somebody goes and they reach a group of people and they change them. Now, the, the thing I hate more than anything is when one goes, you know, and, you know, and I talked to a guy one time who had a mission uh, specifically trying to reach Mormons. He used to be a Mormon and he got saved and he had a burden for the Mormons. And, you know, that, that's fine. But you know what? It'd be really sad if you had a mission to the Mormons and then you turned into a Mormon. Then I'm going to criticize you. You, know, then like, you, you shouldn't have been around those Mormons. So we just, you know, if they're staying strong, if they're moving others in the right direction, you know what y'all need to do? Mind your own business. Just mind your own business. So we should always be trying to help people. We got to make sure we always have the advantage. Don't put yourself in a tempting situation where you'll be likely to sin. And that's going to be different for all of us. We have work to do. Our work's going to be difficult. And we don't need to add to the burden of and by working with people that God has told us not to work with. That's just going to mess things up. And so hopefully that was a help to you. And hopefully, too, uh, you, you know, nobody's in here feeling like you're going to be unequally yoked because you go and you have Christmas dinner with your family. Okay? I, I don't think you're being unequally yoked if you do that kind of thing. Well, my dad, he's pro- he always likes to say the prayer and, you know, he's a Methodist. And I don't know if I can participate in that. I think you'll be all right. All right? I, I, think, I think most of you can handle that. So just try to be an example and maybe see if he'll let you pray. And then you'll get them all saved with your prayer or something. I don't know. But anyway, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your word and uh, these examples that we have. And I pray to help all of us to uh, keep these things in mind, Lord. Help us never to put ourselves at a disadvantage or in a compromising situation. Lord, help us to be among this world. Help us to be a light. Help us to be a force for good. Help us to make a difference. Help us to change minds and to pull people in the right direction. And you'll help us just to... Uh, make a difference uh, for the cause of Christ. Help us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves while we live in this difficult world. In your name we pray. Amen.